Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. I'm going to answer some questions that are on Bengals fans' minds, and then we're going to do a Super Bowl preview. Tom McLeavy is going to stop by for another McLeavy Minute. Sands is going to come by with his expert analysis. And Alex Finelli is going to bring some more observations. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals headlines. All right, so this is the last episode of season one of the unofficial Bengals podcast. I want to sincerely thank you for listening. This has been a bucket list dream of mine to do this podcast and to be able to talk about the Bengals. And this first season couldn't have gone better. I'm really excited about the future. The podcast is going to keep growing and keep getting better. And I'm going to strive to bring you guys great entertainment and great guests and just an exciting show. The sky's the limit, and I just can't wait for the future. All right, so on to some headlines. We're getting new uniforms finally. I'm really excited about it. You know, my favorite uniform is the black shirt and the black pants. And I never really liked the new uniform where they have like the white strip going along like the rib cage. So I'm hoping that the new uniforms have a solid color, make it solid black, solid orange, and solid white, have a cool alternate. Really happy that they're keeping the helmets, and I can't wait to see the new look. All right, let's move on to some questions that Bengals fans are asking. So what's the future for A.J. Green? You know, I'll be honest with you, it was kind of smart of the team to give him the one-year deal as opposed to signing him to a long-term deal because he looked like he had lost a step this year, and I, I hope it's not the case. You know, he's a Bengal great, one of my favorite Bengals ever, and it's hard to see him at the end of his career slowing down a little bit. 
but I don't think they're going to bring him back. You know, they might try to offer him a low salary to get him back, but I think there's other teams that are going to pay him a little bit more. So you're probably going to see A.J. Green move to another team. You know, maybe he'll head south. I'm just hoping that he doesn't stay in the AFC. But, man, what a great career he had with us. He was on pace for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if that's going to happen now. It might take him a little bit longer because of the last two, three years. But the way his career started, there was no question he was going to the Hall. And I hope that he continues to play well in the future no matter where he is because I want to see that guy in the Hall of Fame. And he's got to go in as a Bengal. All right, next question. Jonah Williams, what do you do with him? What's his natural position? You know, if they get Sewell to put at left tackle, what happens to Jonah Williams? I guess the logical answer is to move him over to right tackle, but I'm not totally sure that that's the right spot for him either because he's a 305-pound tackle, and if you look in the past, some of the right tackles that we had, we like to have a big mauler on that side, like a Willie Anderson or an Andre Smith, and Jonah Williams might be a little bit undersized to play that mauling, run-blocking right tackle. So it's hard to give an answer on this. You know, he might not be the optimal left tackle. He might not be the optimal right tackle. Do you move him inside to guard? Again, you look for guards that are a little bit heavier than that. I, you know, I know he's got a spot on this line. He's a good player. He's getting better and better. As long as he's healthy, you know, he's going to have a very good chance of starting somewhere on this line, obviously. But I don't mean to be vague. I'm just not sure where you put him. I guess if you do get Sewell, you put him at right tackle and just see how it goes. If you don't get Sewell, you keep him at left tackle and see how it goes. And on to the offensive line in general. I've been saying it for the last few months that I feel that they should get four new offensive linemen. Not to say that the guys on the roster aren't qualified to start. You know, you have Jonah in there that is qualified to start. They love Trey Hopkins. Spain had a very good year for us and could very well be a long-term starter. Suafilo, when he came back, wasn't bad. You know, so there are guys on the team that are capable of starting, but I feel you bring in four guys. You draft two, you bring in two free agents. Big free agents, good quality, under 30-year-old free agents. And then you draft one guy high in the draft, and then you draft another guy in like the third or fourth round. And you bring in four new guys, you let them compete with the guys that we have. Again, you need six, seven good linemen because guys go down. So even if someone like a Suofilo isn't starting in the beginning of the year, he might find himself in the position where he starts eight, nine games because of an injury to someone else. You can't have enough depth there. It's proven that that position really hurt us this year. Other questions include defensive tackle. I don't know if they're keeping Gino around either. It's just everything points towards them cutting him as well. You know, you're talking about saving like $10 million off the cap. He had a down year. He's getting near the twilight of his career. You know, he was injured coming off a shoulder injury, not easy to recover from. So a lot of signs point to him not coming back. And then you say, wow, we, you know, we had a pretty much rotating cast of waiver wire pickups there this year. So it's not like we have a lot of answers on the roster. But then when you think about it, you have DJ Reader, who was playing excellently before he went down. So he's going to be a force in there. And I would have loved to have seen the Reader-Atkins pairing. Maybe that's a possibility, but it just seems like they're trending towards getting rid of Geno. And then you have Rennell Wren. You know, he, he has that quad injury. He, he had it early, so he should be good to go week one. This year, he was heading into year two. It seemed like he got a little stronger, a little wiser, a little more adjusted to the game. So it's worth seeing what we have there. Josh Tupo's coming back. You know, he's another rotational player. They're probably going to need to draft somebody. And you know what? When you get that 38th pick, and I know we have other needs, but 
you got to think about what positions are available when you get that 38th pick. You know, the an edge rusher, I don't know if you're going to get a prime edge rusher there. I don't know if you're going to get a lockdown corner there. I don't know if you're going to get a left tackle of the future at 38. But you can sure find a defensive tackle there, and there's a lot of them in this draft. You build the team from the lines. If you have a strong offensive line, you're going to be productive. Your running game is going to succeed. Your quarterback is going to succeed. And if you have a strong defensive line, you're shutting down teams' run game. You're getting to the passer. You know, I, I'm saying stuff that you guys know, but that's that's where it's at. So they're going to be looking to upgrade at defensive tackle and offensive line, and I'm all for it. And then on to the defense in general. So you look at it, our defense struggled this year. I mean, we had the one great game against Pittsburgh. I wish that was the norm for us. But, you know, there were a lot of games that we had a rough time stopping the run. There were a lot of games that we weren't able to hold a fourth-quarter lead. So there are some things that need to be answered on defense. First off, you have to make sure that you have Bates in the fold. you got to get Mackenzie Alexander back. I, I've been raving about him all year, and he's not going to be an expensive get in free agency. But don't let that guy go to another team. And then you look to add another free agent corner. Again, you know, they have Waynes coming back, probably going to bring back Jackson, Alexander. You know, you got three right there. You get another, you know, marquee guy, Darius Phillips, show that he can play well when called upon. So, you know, one more corner in there would help, but that's not a top priority. There's bigger priorities, like the defensive line, as I just mentioned. They do need a pass rusher. You know, Lawson had some good numbers this year and has had a decent career. But Lawson and Hubbard alone haven't generated enough pressure to be difference makers, you know, on a consistent basis. I do like both of those players. I do welcome them back in stripes. I'm pulling for them, obviously. But a pass rusher that can really make a difference would be a a priority for us. And if they can get that guy in free agency and spend the money, that would be great. But you know they're going to spend money to keep Lawson around, so that might hurt our chances of getting another marquee guy. But the other need on defense is the linebacking core. You know, if they don't bring back Bynes, they don't have a true run stuffer in there. You know, Pratt is it would be the next man up. But the guys that we drafted, Wilson and Davis Gaither, appear to be more third-down linebackers. So they're going to need a couple first- and second-down linebackers, or at least one really good one. So that's another position where you, when you're picking at the top of the second round, you might be able to grab, like, the second or third best linebacker coming out of the draft. And linebackers come pretty cheaply in free agency. So that's an area that we want to be looking at. And so, I, you know, it kind of works out to everything, right? We need an interior guy. We need an edge rusher. We need a linebacker. Wouldn't be bad if we added another corner. Hey, you know what? If there's a, a marquee safety at number that, with that second pick, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him in. And then you have Bell and Bates and this second rounder. And now you're really set back there, especially with everyone running so much tight end stuff. You know, that would really help. All right, so let's move on to the Super Bowl and the playoff games. And truthfully, I'd rather just talk about the Bengals than the teams that are in the Super Bowl and talk about the the championship games. But before we go on to the Super Bowl preview, I just wanted to talk about a couple coaching things from the championship games. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I'm always analyzing coaching decisions. So let's go to the first one and the obvious one that everyone's talking about. Green Bay kicking that field goal at the end of the game. That's just outsmarting yourself. I don't know what LaFleur was thinking. I don't know, maybe you argue that it was analytics and the analytics team was saying, you know, this is the right move, but it was not the right move. When it's fourth and eight and you have Aaron Rodgers there with a high-powered offense, you try to tie the game at that point. You don't kick the field goal and give the ball back to Brady. You took the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. And just think about it. Fourth and eight at the eight-yard line, 
even if you don't get it, you have those guys pinned way back. So that could work in your favor too. But they outsmarted themselves, and now Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl and not Green Bay. And then from the Bills-Chiefs game. So at one point, the Bills were down 17. It was getting late. The game was pretty much over. But they went for two. Now think about it. You just lay up and you take the one, and you're down by 16. And that's a two-score game. You gamble, you go for two, you're down 17, it's a three-score game. There was not enough time to even get the ball back three times. So right there, that two-point decision, which wasn't necessary at that point in time, basically took them right out of the game. Another case where the head coach outsmarted himself. And it's easy to you know sit on the couch and watch and you know be telling these guys what they should be doing, but these both of these instances were very obvious. Just let Rodgers take the ball and try to tie the game. And down two scores is far more attainable than down three scores. So bad move on both of those coaches, and now they're both going to be watching the Super Bowl from home. All right, so on to the Super Bowl. I'm going to just tell you guys, get your popcorn out, because there's going to be a ton of scoring in this game. You know, I almost see Brady jumping out to a quick lead and consistently moving the ball, and then Mahomes just going crazy and, you know, throwing for two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's hard to predict who's going to win this game because they both can score at will. I think the Chiefs are a better team, but the Buccaneers are playing pretty well right now. Their defense is is pretty strong. You know, Brady's on top again. Had a couple bad throws in the championship game, but he's got good receivers, and he knows when to make the right throw. The one play, they, they blew the coverage up the middle, and he finds the guy right down the seam. You know, you can't make a mistake with Tom Brady. He's just seen it all. But back to the game, you know, Mahomes, I analyze quarterbacks too, and that's another thing. You always hear me talking about Joe Burrow and all the intricacies of his game. Mahomes can just make any throw on the field, and he's making throws across his body that he shouldn't be making and just getting them right on target. I mean, I watch a Chiefs game, and I'm just like, great throw, great throw, phenomenal throw, great read. It just doesn't end. The guy barely throws an interception. He's mobile, even though he's got the, the foot injury happening right now. It's just a dynamite player. And you know, that's how Burrow is. He doesn't quite have this, the arm strength of a Mahomes, but it's a guy that just finds the open guy very accurately all the time. When I see Mahomes play this well, I feel like, you know what, we got our Mahomes, so things are going to be good for us in the future. And then you go to the skill players in this game. You know, the wide receivers for Tampa Bay are, are really solid. The wide receivers for the Chiefs are like a track team. You know, Tyreek Hill is very dangerous. And that's the thing, when you have a good quarterback like Burrow at LSU, or Mahomes with the Chiefs, or Brady, wherever he was, you make these wide receivers and the tight ends around you into superstars. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. So it's going to be exciting to watch these two offenses work, and I think momentum is going to be the key to winning this game. You see how some games go. You know, one team gets off to a lead, and it looks like they're going to be unstoppable. Then there's a turnover, and then the other team, you know, gets back-to-back scores, and they have the momentum. So just watch out for this game in that regard. When you see a team get momentum in the second half, probably looking at the team that's going to win this game. All right, so predictions on the game. If I'm pinned to a prediction, and I know that Sands and Tom McLeavy are also going to tell you who they think is going to win, hard to bet against Brady, but I'm going to take the Chiefs, and I'm going to take the Chiefs minus three if I had to bet, and the over-under, 56.5. It sounds like calculus on how high that is, but I'm going to take the over. So enjoy the game. It's the last Sunday we're going to have football to get absorbed in. You know how it is on a Sunday. I start watching at 1 o'clock, and I'm not done watching until the highlights are over at like 11.30. I could just watch it all day long, no matter who's playing. 
So enjoy it because you know the offseason's long. And then, you know, we're going to have free agency, the draft, training camp, preseason, on to the next season. It, it all comes around. But just wanted to send a note out, have some fun with this game. And I can't wait to start season two, which we're going to start that right after the Super Bowl. Observations with Alex Finelli. Frank, the Chiefs, the Bucks, Brady, going for seven, Mahomes, going for the repeat, Andy Reid, going for a cheeseburger, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, passing the torch game, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, passing the torch game, Tyreek Hill, Scotty Miller, passing the torch game, Tyreek Hill, over under, 92.5 receiving yards for the game in week 12 in this stadium against this team. He had 203 receiving yards in the first quarter. No one is rooting for the Chiefs more than Bill Belichick. No one is rooting for the Bucks more than Chad Henney. If Andy Reid had Tom Brady in Philadelphia, Andy Reid would be the greatest head coach in NFL history. And Bill Belichick would have zero rings as a head coach. Bucks, the first team to play a Super Bowl as a home game. Pat Mahomes, the quarterback where every game is a home game. Patrick, Mahomes game. Antonio Brown, inactive with a knee injury. Le'Veon Bell, Unlikely to see playing time. One of these men will be a champion by next Monday. Meanwhile, Big Ben is taking a pay cut so the Steelers don't force him to retire. And if I was Jared Goff and I got traded from Los Angeles to Detroit, I would retire. Brady, Mahomes, the rare Super Bowl where you do not want to be the team with the one score lead in the final two minutes the Chiefs looking to win back-to-back Super Bowls after not winning a Super Bowl since 1970 Bengals fans there is hope the Bucks looking to win a Super Bowl before Brady retires and they go back to being the Bucks the most anticipated Super Bowl matchup in quite some time and no Pro Bowl this year to satiate my appetite. Brady, Mahomes, the quarterback I would never bet against versus the new quarterback I would never bet against. What's the spread on the Puppy Bowl? Monday morning, calling out of work, massive hangover, collision course. Goodell, you want people to like you? Do the right thing and play the Super Bowl on Saturday. Those are my pre-Super Bowl observations. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? All right, my friend. It's good to hear your voice. So let's get right down to business. Before we get into the Super Bowl, what do you think of these Cam Newton rumors of him coming to the Bengals? Honestly, if he knows he's the backup which if he's coming here i assume he would know he's not competing for the starting job and he doesn't cost more than i don't know five six million dollars i'm perfectly fine with it 
I know he doesn't play like Burrow, but he's experienced. He's seen just about everything in this league. He made a Super Bowl. I know there could be problems, but I don't I don't view him as a locker of cancer. He seems like a nice guy to have around, joking, things like that. I mean, he has those weird outfits. <laughs> but as an actual teammate, he seems great. I've never heard very many people complain about him. So overall, I think it's I think it'd be a good signing. He's not my first pick, but it's somebody that if he's five, six million dollars, that's a great backup quarterback, which I think we need with Burrow coming back from the knee injury, just to make sure we don't need to rush him back or anything. And we already ran a Cam Newton type of offense once with Ryan Finley and were able to win with it, although there's a lot of defense against the Steelers. Still it was effective enough. So we run those read options and use Cam Newton instead. As a backup, he comes in. We have to change the offense a little bit, but we've already done it before, so I don't see the problem. All right, you know, good point. I, I just didn't feel like he had a lot left in his arm after seeing him throw last year. But, you know, if they are going to run that kind of Ryan Finley offense and let Cam do what he does best, which is run the ball, you know, I guess he could come in and be functional for a few games. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with you about the arm. It looks like he's trying to hurl a javelin to get the ball 10 yards downfield. But... <laughs> yeah, good, good point on that. All right, you know what? Let's move on to the Super Bowl. So we have Mahomes against Brady, you know, two of the best in the business. You know, my gut says that Mahomes is just going to dominate because when that offense gets going, there's nothing that can stop it. But then you have the whole theory of you just can't bet against Tom Brady. So what, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl and, and the game in general? I think it should be a great game. I think... Both defenses are going to be underrated. I think everybody's going to think about the quarterbacks, which they're going to score. But it, you look at Todd Bell's defense, and it's been really good. Uh, look what it did with Rodgers. They stopped him quite a bit. No turnovers, I don't think. But they were able to force fourth downs and punts. And then you look at the Chiefs defense, and they're opportunists. You can look at their games, and they, they give up yards, they give up touchdowns, but they get turnovers. They got Tyron Matthew back there robbing everything, trying to get an interception or punch the ball out. They've got the guys up front to bring pressure. And the Bucks' offensive line, another part I think is underrated. They've got Ollie Marpitz, one of the best guards in the league. Ryan Jensen was one of the best centers this year. The right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, the rookie, he's very good. So they have a lot of good pieces on the offensive line. Donovan Smith isn't very good, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to take advantage of it. Um, because they do a good job of giving him help with Gronkowski. I think that's going to be a cool matchup, especially when you look at the Chiefs' defensive line of Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Seems like they're always there on key downs to try to force a fourth down on a third and long. They did against Baker Mayfield force that check down on third and, I think, 12. Basically ended the game because they had to give the ball back. And then you have Andy Reid coaching on one side, Bruce Arians on the other, and I just love Andy Reid's coaching style and everything he does, so... <laughs> I have a rooting interest in them because I've always been a fan. But what you can look for is a lot of creative things, but then things you don't think are that creative, but he does them to bring the best out of his offense with his, the players he has. So they do a thing called a – it's a three-by-one set, which is like a trips. Normally you have two wide receivers and a tight end on one side and a wide receiver on the other. What they do because they have Travis Kelsey is they put three wide receivers on one side and Kelsey on the other. It's a way to utilize your tight end if they can beat anybody in, in uh, man coverage because on the back side of those three-by-ones where he will be, they usually man that up, either with a corner or if it is a running back or a, a tight end, sometimes you get a linebacker or a safety. 
And you saw what Travis Kelsey did to Denzel Ward in that game where he made him basically fall over with a route. It's something to look for, and I think that's a really great way not to get make it into the draft, but I've been thinking like that's a great way if we draft somebody like Kyle Pitt, you use him. You get into a one-by-three. Now you have your best receiver inside. A, if they try to play zone, your best receiver is going to have a linebacker or a safety on them in zone coverage. If you try to play man, your best receiver is probably going to be against their, a cornerback from the slot where they can do anything they want. Slot's a very nice place to put a good route runner. And on the other side, if they're playing man-to-man coverage, they're probably going to have a mismatch on your tight end. So you just look at things like that and how it how it can help you be useful for an offense when you have a great tight end like that. I think that's the difference between somebody like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and somebody like TJ Hawkinson when they were coming out because TJ was great at everything, but he wasn't elite in terms of separation and beating cornerbacks off the line and things like that. So he's useful in line and stuff, but you can't do those same things to really open up your offense. Of course, Tyree Kill, gotta look out for him. It seems like they have Tyree Kill and the band of Tyree Kills <laughs> who are just like mini Tyree Kills. You have the best one who's like the fastest player in the league and he's got great ball skills getting up there and getting it for being five foot ten. And then you have Sammy Watkins, who's not really that similar, but then Miko Hardman's just Tyree Kill Light and Demarcus Robinson isn't that far off either. Go look for those and on the other side you have the Bucks wide receivers to look for. <laughs> So I think there's a chance for the offenses to really blow up. And I think what it really comes down to, to me, is what defense is going to be able to get a turnover or a sack more often or in the key moments. When you have players like Brady and Mahomes, I mean, you're not really going to stop them, but you can somewhat limit them and you can force turnovers. And I think both defenses are able to do that. If you're going to ask me who I think is going to win, I think it will be the Chiefs. But I think it should be a great game. All right. Well, I'm going to put you down for the Chiefs on our unofficial Bengals podcast informal competition. Um, I, I feel better about uh, betting against uh, or betting for the Chiefs or somebody rather than trying to pick Bengals games where I have a rooting interest. No, I got you. I, I can't be objective if I bet on the Bengals. I mean, I, I'll always pick the Bengals to win no matter who they play. And, uh, you know, the last thing is the more that we talk about pits, the more excited I'm getting. So, if, you know, if, if we don't get Sewell and we decide to go past one of those wide receivers, and we do get this kid who's just a great tight end and can open up all those possibilities that you're saying, that's a major weapon to have for the future. Yeah, and I know people say you got to trade down to take him because of the value of tight end, but I think you're looking at the value of a normal tight end who, at their best, again, I'll just look at TJ Hawkinson, who, in line, great blocker, he can do the short, intermediate stuff you want, but that's not really worth a top-five pick compared to... If you knew you were getting Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey or Antonio Gates or any of these receiving options who can win downfield and really change the numbers for you and force cornerback, force the teams to play cornerbacks over them, and they can still beat those guys, that's worth a top-five pick to me. And, I, I mean, the receivers are great, too, so I don't want to discount them. We're going to get a great player. Sewell's still my first choice, but I do see people kind of talk down on pits, and I'd be fine with them at five, to be honest. Well, you know what? If you're saying it, I trust it. Enjoy the game on Sunday, Sands. We'll catch up right after. Yeah, you too. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frankie. How you doing, pal? 
All right, my friend. So what do you think about the new uniforms for the Bengals? Uh, I, I wish he would have did it last year. Um, you know, I bought the jerseys for us, and uh, now they're going to change them. So, yeah, we'll have vintage jerseys. But, um, yeah, it's a good move. Uh, you know, they're going to keep the helmets, but uh, it's a good move for a new era in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. I think they'll be out, they said, around the draft. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what they come up with. I hear you on that. I'm looking forward to it myself. So um, one thing about the NFL in general before we move on to the Super Bowl, what do you think about that Matt Stafford trade? Oh, man. Rams gave up a lot. My feeling on Matt Stafford is, you know, the Lions are sort of like the Bengals or, you know, family run. But there's a point where your quarterback has to raise the level of play. Like we saw this year with Burrow. You know, he kept us in the games. And I just think Stafford never did that with Detroit. He just, you know, especially I think last year, like he blew a few games for him. So they gave up a ton to get him. A third this year and future first round picks in the next couple of years. So they're banking on him. And they're banking on, you know, they gave up golf thinking that, you know, he was the problem. So, you know, that's a head-scratcher, in my view. But, you know, they know their team better, so, you know, they're hoping those first-round picks are, you know, later in the draft. So, But it's a head-scratcher. Yeah, Tom, that's a good angle to view. I mean, if those two first-round picks are very late in the first round because, you know, they go deep into the playoffs, then maybe this trade makes sense, but... I don't know, just in theory, I don't like giving away that much for an aging quarterback who, to my recollection, has a little bit of a back issue. Correct. Correct, Frank. Uh, you know, the, 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 the goal is to win the Super Bowl. And I just don't see Matthew Stafford, that type of quarterback, to lead a team to the Super Bowl. All right, so let's move on to the Super Bowl. So you have Mahomes on one side and that offense. When they get going, they're really hard to stop. And on the other side, you have Tom Brady, and they say never bet against Brady. So what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, Great. You cannot bet against Tom Brady. Boy, he stuck it to New England. Uh, You know he's inside and out. He's smiling and, and realizing that all the talk about, you know, Belichick, and, you know, you can't win without Belichick. Well, he proved them wrong. But looking at Kansas City, you know, when you see all the weapons that Kansas City has and you look at Kelsey, uh, the XUC great, you know, boy, imagine if Joe Burrow had that, you know, had a Kelsey-type tight end with, you know, the wide receivers. And, but, you, you know, you got to look at systems. It's purely Andy Reid driving that offense you put Kelsey in Bengal uniform I don't think he's as productive because for some unknown reason the Bengals don't showcase their tight ends I just don't understand why uh but it's offensive uh you know that's Andy Reid's you know uh offense so they are unstoppable if they get going uh, on the other hand, you know, Tampa Bay's defense has been really playing real nice in the playoffs. So, you know, they have some players, uh, Devin White, 
who uh, next LSU guy Burrow um, really playing exceptionally well. So it is going to be a good Super Bowl, I think. Who's going to win? I'm just leading towards Kansas City. I think it could go down to the last possession. I'm just leaning towards uh, Kansas City because of that offense. They have so many weapons. You know, you try to take Kelsey out, you got Hill. Um, and also, you got uh, Mahomes. You know, he can take off and run with the best of them. So, you can't bet against Tom Brady, like you said, but I just think Kansas City is is going to win it. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to continue to review the offseason as we get ready for the 2021 season. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. And I'd also like to thank the ZDA Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at ZDA Network on Instagram or Twitter, and ZDA is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.